Good morning. It's November 10th. It's a cloudy morning in New York City with showers lurking and sirens going off in the background. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The lead story on the front of the New York Times is Gaza. The two columns divided between U.S. sees danger in war dragging on and White House reports a deal for pauses. In the former, the Times reports that General Charles Q. Brown Jr., the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said on Wednesday that he was worried each civilian killed in Gaza could generate future members of Hamas, an accurate assessment that was also an accurate assessment a month ago, and which has nevertheless not prevented any civilian casualties. And in the neighboring column is the news that Israel has agreed, after a month of bombing and starving civilians, to begin giving them four-hour breaks to try to flee the next round of bombing or maybe get some food. Elsewhere on page one, in blow to Senate Democrats, Manchin will not run again. It's not entirely clear that losing the second biggest obstructionist on their side of the aisle, or the biggest obstructionist, now that Kirsten Sinema abandoned them altogether, is a blow to Senate Democrats directly, but it does make all the nonsense they put up with from Joe Manchin in the name of protecting an otherwise unfavorable seat that much more pointless and cruel in retrospect. And it does make their prospects even bleaker for holding on to their majority going into a structurally unfavorable 2024 Senate election. But in exchange, the guy who abused his leverage over them for the worst possible causes is now surrendering that leverage. The subhead on the story is, Left is alarmed by talk of a presidential bid, which seems ludicrous even if you grant the Times the use of the word left to stand for the Democratic Party's mainstream establishment. If Joe Manchin were to launch a presidential bid, he'd be doing so as a guy whose only political credential was the ability to get elected in West Virginia, and who is now running away from West Virginia because he doesn't think he can get reelected there. It is hard to imagine the guy who single-handedly doubled the child poverty rate by destroying the child tax credit, cutting more meaningfully into Joe Biden's vote share than he would cut into the share of voters who want to cast a complaint vote and might otherwise do it by voting for Donald Trump. Even that scenario, though, assumes that anyone likes Joe Manchin at all, a theory for which there is no real evidence. More likely, someone will run a couple of polls, show Manchin the very, very tiny number next to his name, and send him home to West Virginia to spend more quality time with his toxic coal plant. And speaking of Joe Manchin's lifelong accomplishments, page A11 reports that the peripheral glaciers of Greenland, those not attached to the central ice sheet, are melting faster and faster retreating, the Times says, twice as fast between 2000 and 2021 as they did before the turn of the century. On page A14, the national section reports that wildfires burning grass and shrubs are an even bigger problem for the United States than forest fires. Meanwhile, as the Earth takes care of its own business on its own terms, page A12 reports that the popular Blue Lagoon Spa in Iceland is closed for earthquakes, and page A4 reports that a new island has appeared off the coast of Iwo Jima, brought forth by an undersea volcanic eruption breaching the surface. It's a fun and fascinating story. The new volcano is apparently growing out of the flank of the volcano that made Iwo Jima itself. The Times, however, did indulge in a little bit of spurious precision, describing the brand new island as about 100 meters or 328 feet in diameter. About 100 meters is not 328 feet. They're guesstimating the size of a lump of rock sticking out of the ocean, about 100 meters 
scientifically speaking, translates into about 100 yards. And in a larger error of editorial judgment, the Times dedicates the bottom of page A9 to the story, Israel says photographers knew of attack in advance, in which the paper simply cites Israeli officials, amplifying a piece of off-the-cuff slander from a pro-Israeli propaganda group called Honest Reporting, which decided to accuse the reporters who were on the scene of the Hamas attacks of October 7th of having had foreknowledge of the attacks and being allied with the killers. By this morning, the Honest Reporting group itself was disavowing the claim, saying it was not itself a journalistic outlet and that it was just asking questions in the first place. It seems like the lesson the Times took from last month's controversy over the coverage of the hospital explosion in Gaza was not to avoid promoting one-sided claims, but to make sure not to miss an opportunity for journalistic self-flagellation. Good luck to the freelancers in Gaza trying to cover the conflict that has killed more than three dozen reporters, as the Times' sense of scruples leads it to prominently relay the claims from the government that's done the bulk of the killing of journalists in Gaza, that they are accomplices in crimes against humanity. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we'll talk again on Monday.